Paul says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Paul is establishing the fact here that since Jesus has died and satisfied God's wrath for sin, we have peace with God. Those who believe in God's work through his son on Calvary's cross have peace with God. Established by the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, on the cross, made peace between God and man. And the way to appropriate that peace is through faith in that work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And... Believing that he's Lord, he's God, and trusting him for salvation. Let me read that again. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, made righteous, justified means righteous. We've been made righteous through the works of Christ on Calvary's cross and our faith in that work. When we believe in him and his works, he imputes his righteousness to us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, by relying on him, having confidence in him, for saving us from God's wrath and seating us in heavenly places. We are peace with God. Which means that God's wrath is no longer against us. We stand in this grace, God's favor now. Jesus Christ has now placed us in God's grace. When Paul says that we are peace with God, it means that we now are in fellowship with him. Prior to Jesus Christ saving us, we were alienated from God. We were God, we were, we were enemies of God. But now, we're his children. We have become the seed of Abraham. We've come, we have become God's adopted sons and daughters. So we can cry out, as the writer of Romans chapter 8 did, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. 
These are the sons of God. Whereby we whereby we cry, Abba Father. Daddy died. Daddy daddy. The Spirit Himself bears witness with us that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, bears witness with us, declaring the truth that we are God's son and daughter. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear of one hell. But we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, with, with God's adopted children, which means we now have full rights to a promised inheritance. So the writer goes on to say, and if sons, then heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. In other words, whatever God owns, we own. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he has given us the hills. And that's one reason we stand in this grace. Knowing that we have peace with God. Because God had promised us something. God had promised us that we, at the moment we become his son and daughter, heirship. We're his heir. And we're co-heir with his son, Jesus Christ. These are our gifts. We don't earn these things. God gave this to us. And Romans Romans eleven twenty nine says that the gifts and call of God are without repentance. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. God cannot change his mind. That's why Israel could never be lost. Because God promised them that he would be their God. Forever. So he writes through Malachi, the prophet, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He says to Israel, who is also also named Jacob, he said, I am the Lord God. Therefore, you are not consumed, O Jacob. I am the Lord God, and I change not. Therefore, you're not consumed, O Jacob. They deserve to be consumed. They, they deserve to be destroyed because of their sin against God. But he had promised them that he would be with them forever. And the way he justified 
being with them forever. It was taking out his wrath on his only begotten son at the cross. They deserve hell. But God gave them life with him. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's love. While we were yet sinners, God commended his love towards us in that the Son died for us. The only, the only alternative in going to heaven is hell. Now, I remember how I used to be. When people would preach to me about heaven and hell, I would always tell them, I don't mind going to hell. All my friends are there. It would be just one big party. I got news for you. There's no party in hell. Christ said in Mark 9, 43, if you're right, I offend you. Pluck it out. It is better to go into life with one eye than to go into hell with both. If if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If it causes you to sin, if it causes you to dishonor God, cut it off. Because it is better to go into life with one hand that they're going to hell with both. And if your right foot causes you to sin, causes you to offend God, cut it off. Because it is, it is better for you to go into life, halt, with one foot than to go into hell with both feet. And he tells us why. For in hell, their worm never dieth, and their fire is never quenched. We know in this life, when a body is placed into the grave, The worms eat that body. And even if it's in a vault, the worms still eat that body. For I'm, I am told that we have our own worms in our bodies. So we don't need the outside worms. So if you put it in a vault, the worms eat on that body. And as long as that flesh to eat on, the warrings Leo.
but the Lord said, in hell, their warring never die, and their fire is never quenched. That means that folks in hell are fitted for torment for eternity. And, and, and because they're in torment, there's no party, y'all. There's weeping, crying, and gnashing of teeth, and no remedy, no help, no way out. I take that back. At the resurrection, God will bring them out of hell, raise them up, and give them back their bodies, and stand them before the great white throne judgment. I can see it now. Masses and masses and masses of human beings, male and female, standing around the great white throne judgment. Not having a leg to stand on. Because God will open up the book. The book of works. The Bible. And they'll see how they have violated God's word. And then they'll see all the things that they've done in the book of works. All the evil things. And they'll not have a leg to stand on because the evidence is there. The evidence is there. Now, when I say they will not have a leg to stand on, I'm speaking in a twofold sense. Number one, the evidence will convict them of their crimes against God. And there'll be no defense there'll be no defense attorney. There'll be no advocate. There'll be no one to speak on their behalf. They lost that when they didn't trust the advocacy of Jesus Christ. So for that reason, they'll have no leg to stand on at that tribunal, at that court. And also, since earth has fled away, the sun has fled away, they'll be suspended in space, if you can call it that. And they'll be standing on nothing. Not having a leg to stand on. They have legs. But standing on nothing. Since they didn't stand for something, and that something being Jesus Christ and the gospel and God's word, since they did not stand on the solid rock, and that rock is Jesus, Now, now, now they'll have to stand on nothing. Jesus spoke of that rock one time. He said, blessed is the man who falls on this rock. He'll be broken. 
he'll be broken away from his sinful state, his sin, and obtain a new way of life. But woe to the man on whom this rock falls. And now at the great white throne, this rock is falling on men who have nothing to stand on. And at that great white throne, God will look at them and keep in mind now, I believe that this great white throne is suspended before the whole world of people. From Adam to Zechariah. In other words, from Adam to the last person. And they'll be surrounding the throne because God is able to see everything at one time. There is no shadow when he turns. He doesn't have to turn to, to, to see. So there will be no, no one at his back. They'll all be in his, in his face. And he'll be looking at every one of them in the eye. They're raised from hell because hell was a holding place, kind of like a county jail. As criminals are waiting for trial, and then at the trial, they stand before the judge and receive their sentence with their conduct and their crime. Then they're sent to prison. Or the gas chamber. At the great white throne, men are raised from hell. And it stands before God, not to determine whether or not they're guilty. Going to hell proved that. They went to hell because they were guilty of, of sins against God. Now, they'll stand before him for their degrees of punishment. Now, keep in mind, I also believe that at this great white throne, believers will be there too. The saints will be there too. And I say it because, what, because of what Christ said. He said that he will set the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And the sheep he will say enter into the house of your father. Well done. Now, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you master of a minute. But those on the left, you'll say to them, you slothful servant. You unfaithful servant. And they'll be crying, some of them. Lord, didn't we do this in your name? 
Lord, then we cast out demons in your name. Lord, then we preach in your name. Oh, Lord, then we do many wonderful works in your name. And he would say to the, to the goats on the left, depart from me. Get away from me. You workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What a terrible day, y'all. What a terrible day. I, I mean, you just cannot imagine how terrible that day will be. Because in some cases, you have entire families there. Grandmother. Granddaddy. Great-granddaddy. Mama, daddy. Little Johnny, little Susie. All standing before God. Men and women who've been married multiple times. Standing before God. And keep in mind, Christ died for those sins, but they didn't believe it. Now that they'll have to stand for their own sins, and they have nothing to stand on. Luke chapter 11, as you were, as you were. Luke chapter 16. There were two men. There was a beggar. And there was a rich man. And the Lord said that the rich man fared sumptuously. He had everything he needed and all that he wanted. And while he was feasting and banqueting in his big fine house, poor Lazarus sat by his gate begging for the crumb that fell from his table. And Lazarus was in such bad shape he had sores on his body. And the dog licked his sores, soothing his aches and pains. But the rich man paid him no attention. He paid attention to his rich guests. And the Lord said, the poor beggar, Lazarus, died. And angels lifted him up and carried him into Abraham's bosom, into heaven. And then the rich man died. Y'all need to know that death is a great equalizer. It is appointed once for man to die. Unless, unless the Lord tarries, everybody's going to die. I'm sorry. Unless the Lord comes quickly, everybody's going to die. But a rich man died. 
and lifted up his eyes in the fire of hell. And he was able to see. He was able to see, y'all. And that's what, what I'm saying to you. This is not going to be a, a place of good time. There'll be no party in hell. And not only that, I think part of being in hell is looking into heaven and seeing folks you know. The rich man was able to look into heaven, into Abraham's bosom, and see Lazarus and Father Abraham. The Bible doesn't say it's silent on that issue, but I don't know who else he saw. But he cried out to Father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger into water. And let him come and touch my tongue. Because I'm tormented day and night in this flame. And that always caught my attention when the rich man said, I'm tormented in this flame. It makes me wonder if every person has their own flame. If every person in hell has their own strength. I, I don't know. I, I just wonder. It, it, it really may not matter. You're still in torment. The rich man said, I'm tormented in this flame day and night. 24-7. There's never any relief. Remember earlier I said in hell there will be whole families there? Can you imagine a mother looking at her child being tormented in hell for eternity? And a child looking at its mother being tormented in hell. And that is that too, and he can't help. Listen, today, if you hear his voice, harden up your heart. God loved you so much that he sent his son to the cross that you will have peace with him and not suffer the consequences of hell. Once again, he's saying to you, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart today. If you hear him calling your name, say that Samuel.
Lord, here am I. I don't like I don't like preaching about hell because hell is a place of torment. But you need to know that if you don't go to heaven, hell is the only alternative. There's no such thing as soul sleep. There's no such thing as living for eternity outside of Christ. But I will say, everybody has everlasting life somewhere. Either with Christ in heaven or with the devil and his demons in hell forever. Today, my friends, if you have heard his voice, harden not your heart. This is the day of salvation. May God bless you and keep you and give you his everlasting grace and peace. And Jude, the Lord's brother, would say, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty both now and ever. This has been Bible Talk with Percy Garrett in the great state of Alabama. You take care now, and God bless you and keep you, and look forward to speaking to you next time.